Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. If you're vegan curious or brand new to a vegan lifestyle, be sure to download the free vegan starter kit at brownveganvip.com. And I'm going to give you some step-by-step tips to make that happen for yourself. Or if you're like me and you're driving, doing laundry, cooking dinner, and all of the other things that I do while listening to a podcast. You can also text vegan kit as one word to the number 33444. That's vegan kit with no spaces to the number 33444. Hey, it's Monique, and this is episode 81 of the Brown Vegan Podcast, where I love to share strategies on how to start and keep going with the vegan lifestyle in a super practical way and bring on guests as well to share their experiences. Come hang out with me on social media. I'm Brown Vegan everywhere, including YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So yeah, I hope all is well with you. On the show today, I have Jackie Soban. She is from veganyakattack.com. I met Jackie, I want to say, I have a terrible sense of time. I want to say it was probably like 2014-ish. We both spoke at a conference in Austin for Vita Vegan Con, which is no longer around, but I wish it were. We both were at that conference, and that is where I connected with her. She did a workshop on photography. So, of course, today I had to have her talk about food photography using your phone and how to get started with that process so it's sim- so it's easy. Jackie is also going to talk about why and how she started her vegan journey how to be vegan on a go that doesn't require you to go to restaurants. And she's even going to break down how to do it with breakfast, lunch, dinner, a snack, and a dessert, just like a day sample of what that looks like. So one of the things I like to do is when I schedule guests for the podcast, um, I usually do like a 15-minute call and we just kind of flesh out topics. One of the things I didn't really plan to talk about with Jackie um, was vegan business. And even though we were going to talk about her cookbook, I didn't really plan for her to share that part of her journey, but I really think it's so important because um, like myself, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are really trying to make this a full-time business for themselves. So I love when people are able to come on and share their experiences with making a living from something that they love. It's really important to do that. And I feel like sometimes in a vegan community, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but sometimes I just feel like it's not, people look at it as not a good thing to make money from this. And I just think it's silly because if I can't take care of myself, I can't take care of anyone else, right? So sometimes I do feel like there is a stigma in this community with making money. So I love to talk about the money on here. I love to talk about the business part, food, all of that good stuff is really important to me. So yeah, be sure to get Jackie's book, Vegan Yak Attack on the go wherever you buy your books. And without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into Jackie's vegan story. So my vegan story begins in that I was working full time as a product designer because I um, that's actually my background before vegan blogging is that I have a degree in industrial design. And I was uh, at this kind of boring, not necessarily super boring job. It was interesting for maybe bad reasons, but I was at this job and I was 
buying freezer meals for lunch, like lean cuisine and healthy choice and things like that. And after a while, I was I thought to myself, you know, these are really expensive and the food's not that great. And I probably should just learn how to cook for myself so that I can, you know, prep meals for the next day. And at this point, I wasn't vegetarian or vegan or anything. So I go into it. I knew some cooking skills, not a lot, kind of like how to make hamburger helper maybe or you know certain things like that that I had grown up with so I started making my own food I was using all recipes and I was doing that kind of thing and a couple months into it I remember eating out and uh, my boyfriend had ordered this dish from this fast food restaurant and I looked at it and I was I thought to myself wow this is the creepiest looking food <laughs> I've seen in a moment. And uh, he was like, don't eat that. Which is wild for him because he will eat pretty much anything that's just absolute garbage, <laughs> but is picky with everything else. I was like, all right, not eating that. And, and in that moment, I said to myself, I think I'm going to be vegetarian. And so I went vegetarian. And then at around the same time, I was looking into like ingredients in household products and, you know, beauty products and things like that. And I realized like, you know, there are so many ingredients that are approved for use each year that don't necessarily have a lot of research behind them. And then they're pretty much like not taken out of things until they're proven years later to have a negative effect. I, I started going down that route of, of kind of Paring down my um, home cleaning things and doing more DIY stuff. And in this about six month period, I had also started just documenting all the food that I was making with this DSLR that I, I got from a friend for like a really good deal because it was just a hobby level DSLR, um, which is a digital camera. And so I was taking really bad photos of the of the food that I was making. I had a Tumblr at the time is actually how um, Vegan Architect started out. And then about six months after I'd gone vegetarian, uh, I was like, why am I still vegetarian? Like, this doesn't make sense in terms of what I feel in, ter- in the way of health-wise, how my food is affecting me, and then also um, environment. The environment was a huge thing for me because in design school, we were taught about sustainable design and cradle-to-grave and how a product can be reused or recycled or just last a long time. So if my diet was having this hugely negative impact on the environment, why was I doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I finally was like, all right. Because the last couple of months of me being vegetarian, I pretty much was vegan. I, I would just go to work and sometimes there would be cookie containers coming in because like I said, it was a food packaging <laughs> job. <laughs> oh man, I love cookies. And I I would just have a cookie. I'm like, oh God, why do I keep doing this to myself? So I finally went vegan. And then I just kept blogging and working full time until probably a few months later, I ended up saving up some money because the second job I was at was pretty toxic. And my grandmother was dying and I I was like, I want to go visit her and I'm not going to be able to get time off. So I'm just going to save up money. I think I'm going to be able to do like a catering or a food truck or something with this. I'm not sure what, but I'm just going to do it. And so then I ended up quitting my job in 2011 to pursue blogging slash whatever at that at point um, full time. 
it sounds like you went down like a rabbit hole. You did a little bit of research on what you can bring <laughs> for lunch, and then it led you to being a vegan, which is absolutely is dope. yeah. Yeah, the internet can sometimes be the best rabbit hole, and sometimes <laughs> the worst. Uh, in this case, it worked out fairly well. So, the, what year did you decide? Was it 2010 or 2011 when you decided to be go, go vegan? 2010 is when I went vegetarian, and then early, I would say um, April 2011 is when I went fully vegan. So what, okay, let's talk about, because now I kind of want to talk about business. I know we weren't supposed to. We didn't really talk, <laughs> say that we want to talk about business, but I feel like there's a lot of people that, you know, are listening to the show and they want to transition and help people go vegan and they want to make this a full-time job for themselves. So mm-hmm. later on, I want to kind of get into that. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time on it, but I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about some of those early struggles because I know it was probably a struggle, especially back in 2000. You said 11, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yes. let's talk about first, what were some of those early meals? Because you said you didn't really have much experience with like cooking from scratch, right? Or cooking mm-hmm. a lot of cooking experience. So how did you get the confidence to get in the kitchen and get started? Honestly, a lot of the time I was using all recipes and I I, I would just find recipes within there because even then, like you said, like food blogs were not a super huge thing. Like Smitten Kitchen was around and the, you know, Pioneer Woman and like a few other like major food blogs, but otherwise, you know, there wasn't a lot. So all recipes um, was my main staple. I would end up making a lot of like sautés and stir fries and things that I could make for myself and then have a couple portions left over for like lunch the next day. And that is what I was making for a long time. In well, I, I say a long time, like a few months. And within that few months, because there wasn't, um, there was a lot of vegan recipes online, but there was still so much room for innovation and creativity mm-hmm. um, because there weren't as many vegans that I was like, I, you know, I'm going to start playing around with this food now that I'm like learning about it and I'm going to start making my own recipes. So it really didn't take that long to get to that point, maybe like a couple of months, because like I said, it, it's not like the recipes that I started creating myself were also hugely innovative. It, it was just more me feeling it out and getting a better grasp on it. Thinking back to that space is what I did when I was writing this cookbook, you know, thinking about like the ease of things and stuff that I was just learning. Like when I learned what nutritional yeast was, was like probably like the first three months. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. What is this magical dust? Yeah. So that that's kind of what I was cooking at the beginning. And I even, I actually ate really high raw um, for a bit because it was super easy. I would just, you know, chop up some fruit and soak some nuts and then have that as a, like kind of a large breakfast container in the morning at work. And then either have like a raw salad or like I said, you know, a saute or a stir fry with maybe tofu or quinoa also and things like that. Like those were my basic breakfast and lunches while I was working full time. Yeah, it is about making it easy because I can see how when you first start, how overwhelming it can be. Because I know for myself it was, especially trying to do it with a family. I was like, that would be way harder. Like this was me living at my parents' house and then just being like, it was just for myself. So it wasn't, you know, that big of a deal. Right. I feel like your food style, correct me if I'm wrong. You are really big into making, I guess, everyday food familiar. I feel yeah. like that's your style. You're veganizing like all of the stuff that people don't expect to see. Yeah, no, I would, I, I like to, um, throughout the years, I, I've liked to say that 
I keep it approachable. So even though sometimes I do like getting a little like froofy with it, a little bougie with my cooking, mm-hmm. um, it's not something that I'm going to put on the blog because I feel like it's not approachable and it's not as easily attainable. And while there are some exceptions in terms of maybe ingredients um, that are used, I try to keep it like familiar, like you're saying, you know, and, and keep it like, would my dad eat this? Like, and oh, that's, a, like that's, that. yeah. that's a really big guide because for the most part, there was times where he's like, I don't know what that is. And that would stop him from trying something. And now he, he's subscribed to my newsletter for like the last year or so. <laughs> so now he usually ends up replying to each email like, oh, where is this at? And I'm just like, what? <laughs> that <laughs> is dope. I went vegan in 2010. And mm-hmm. I felt like there were a lot of recipes online, like you said, but I didn't really feel like it was something that I would necessarily want to eat. And mm-hmm. I didn't know, I kind of had to give myself permission to just make it what I wanted to make it for my family and my situation, opposed right. to feeling like I had to follow what everyone else was doing. Because sometimes I would look at a recipe and I felt like they use ingredients that they didn't really have to, but it was kind of, I don't know, it made, made them feel kind of fancy. And that's what right. they used it. <laughs> I think there's a misconception of this lifestyle being really time consuming. And so I really wanted you to come on the show to talk about your new book and also share some tips on how to make veganism easy for people who are really busy. So let's, I guess let's get some, start off with some overall tips, I guess, of what you, what people can do. And then we'll break down what they can do for each meal. Yeah, of course. Um, One main thing I would say here. Yeah, I'll have, I'll have a few here, but one that's that's pretty easy is just treating your refrigerator like a salad bar. So that means just really prepping maybe single singular ingredients like, oh, I prepped a batch of cooked quinoa that's not really seasoned with anything, uh, maybe just vegetable broth or something. And then here's, you know, a Tupperware container of steamed broccoli. And then here are some diced tomatoes and here are some green onions. So that if you just spend, you know, even a couple hours one afternoon, because all those things don't really take that long to prep, it is easier if you get it all done at one time. Then during the week, even if you're just like, oh, I have these leftovers, but I have this like, you know, rinsed um, container of greens or something, I can add some greens to my leftovers just to kind of like boost the nutritional value of it. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to put together a salad and then you can put that together with a quinoa, um, maybe cook up some tempeh and just have that in a thing. So you can just reheat it in a pan or even in a microwave. I don't really have that much against microwaves, honestly. Um, I end up using mine all the time. So whatever's convenient, but just having that food prepped and ready gives you basically no excuse to just be like, I'm going to eat a a dinner of chips and salsa, which I have absolutely done many times, (laughs) but it's because I didn't have these things in my fridge. So I feel like that's a really good one. And then um, in terms of Even in the book, there's a bulk cooking chapter where there are definitely meal prep style recipes where, like I said, you know, you take a couple hours, maybe maybe not even that long, and you would just increase the serving size of the recipe and you have enough to feed you the whole week because it doesn't really add much time to increase the serving size Mm -hmm. and still prep the same or a larger amount of food. So even there's a green enchilada casserole that I love in that chapter and the original recipe serves eight and it comes together really quickly and easily I've served that at a few of the launch parties for the book and it always is a huge success and it's one of the easiest dishes that I make from the book to feed a lot of people 
So let's do a breakdown of what it looks like for, let's just imagine that someone is 25 years old and they want to make this on the go. They work full time. Maybe they're working on a master's too and have a busy social life. Let's talk about some of the suggestions that you have on how to save time and maybe an example of what they can eat for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a snack. Okay. Um, Yeah. So that's perfect because uh, in the quick breakfasts and in the make ahead, there's, I, I like utilizing my freezer for make-ahead things. Um, so, for example, if you buy some frozen fruit from the store and you um, stack some of your favorite favorite frozen fruits in a smoothie jar, maybe with some frozen spinach at the top of it, you can just dump it into your Nutribullet, like if you're a 25-year-old college student. Or if you have a blender, dump it in the blender. And so that way you're not retrieving ingredients in the morning and because that in itself takes you know maybe it doesn't take that long maybe five ten minutes but it also it saves you that time you know on a morning when you wake up late and you're like oh crap I gotta eat something Mm -hmm. um so that's really good for breakfast or even overnight chia pudding like or overnight oatmeal which are both options um in the book And then for lunch, uh, I also love jar salads because you can take them with you. And it's the same, you know, same concept of, you know, stack some stuff in a jar, some of your favorite things with a little dressing at the bottom, and then you can dump it out into a bowl later on or even just kind of shake it around in your jar. And then you can take that with you for lunch to your job or to school and still eat healthy while you're on the move. And then for dinner... There's some really good 30-minute meals in the 30 minutes or less um, chapter. And uh, the one-pot pasta, I feel like, is pretty efficient in terms of getting you full and giving you sustenance Mm -hmm. while also not costing you a lot of money. There's olives in it, which maybe would be uh, kind of pricey, but I love olives. I I don't – I feel like a lot of people love olives, so it's kind of like, you know, you're not using (laughs) as many in the recipe to where it would be like the whole value of the jar or something. So that's really good for just dumping stuff in a pan, letting it sit for about 20 minutes, and then having this really tasty meal at the end of it. Um, And then for dessert, also in the quick breakfast snacks and treats chapter, there are these dark chocolate, or they're chocolate cherry cups. So you just use fresh cherries and make a really quick chocolate, like melted chocolate out of like coconut oil, cocoa powder, and some maple syrup. And you can put those into a mini cupcake pan with liners if you want. And then they're sprinkled with chopped salted cashews. Mm. So it's really simple in in terms of like what it is when it's finished. But just keeping those in your refrigerator, I when I made the book, I was like, these are a godsend because <laughs> I can just like reach in the fridge and then have this like sweet little snack treat. And I'm not overdoing it with like a whole pint of ice cream because... Let's be real. I've done that also. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty solid day. Oh, and snacks. There's some um, granola or trail mix recipes in the uh, Make Ahead, which are you know easy to just make for you know on Sunday, and then you bake it. Maybe it takes 15 minutes all in all. Like it really doesn't take very long, and then you can have some granola just to bring with you. You know, maybe a cup a day for your like snack. 
Yeah, it really is about taking those extra steps in the beginning to get ready to do it. You know, to actually have your refrigerator ready. If you do those extra steps throughout the week, it will save you so much time. How much time do you think it will take someone to prep their week? Um, I guess like we can use the same example, the 25 year old uh, person. How much time do you think that would take to prep on like a Sunday to get ready for the whole week? Right. I I mean, depending on your level of experience and your comfort level in the kitchen, I feel like if you wanted to make all five of those things, and actually the dinner, you wouldn't even have to make ahead because that's just dumping stuff in a pot. Mm -hmm. You know, it might take you two to three hours, but that would be uh, possibly waiting for grains to cook or something like that. But honestly, a lot of Uh, of what I just listed is just chopping. So it's more just prep time in terms of that than it is actual cooking. Um, Actually, I would say less than that. With the menu that I laid out, um, it would probably maybe be two hours. That's why I'm saying comfort level in the kitchen, just like how slow you are at dicing, basically. Did you, were you one of those people that hated chopping? I hate it when I first started. (laughs) I'm jealous. What else did you chop so much now? But did you, in the beginning, I hate it. I felt like that took the longest time for me. It does take the longest time. I feel like once I started really getting into cooking, I I got a, a Santoku knife that was really nice. And that made me really excited about cutting food up (laughs) because it worked really well and um you know it wasn't sketchy because I wasn't trying to cut things with like a dull knife and because I had spent the money on it maybe this was like a $50 knife so it wasn't even anything super like out of touch or you know bougie and um I was like all right now I'm gonna get my cutting done and sometimes like even now I'm just like oh like why do I have to make chop all of these like if it's a small dice or something and I have to dice it all but honestly I don't I don't really feel that way most of the time well that's good (laughs) good. sometimes it's like a little therapeutic like when I'm crocheting and it's like a repetitive motion so I I kind of like not totally zone out because you absolutely should be paying attention when you're using a sharp object right Um, but because it is repetitive for me at this point and I've done it so much you know it's kind of can be nice to to get out of my head for like a second do that and then like switch back to okay so this is you know this is something that I have control over type of thing right so um I know first of all I want to talk about this vegan yak attack where did that name come from my name is Jackie and when I worked in a restaurant I worked in a restaurant for about four years or so um in my early 20s and my full name is Jacqueline so when my, I, I was a server and when my tickets would come up in the back, they would use my legal name because that's how I am in, you know, in the office records. And so it would, it would cut my name off at the I or right after the I. So it would be Jacqueline, but without the N-E, Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the cooks and the dishwashers and the chefs, they were all either from like South America or Central America or Mexico. So they would call me Yakali. Uh, and that was just like for years, it was like, yeah, I'm Yakali. And so I started using that as a handle online and um, and spelt it with a Y. And I had a couple friends in around like 2008, 9, 10. They, they called me Yak Attack because they knew me from my handle. And so that, you know, if we're just like hanging out or whatever, hey, yak attack. And I'm like, oh, okay. Into my personal Tumblr that because that's what it started out as. And I just very rarely posted on it. 
And but when I started cooking all that food is when I started using my tumbler more. And so then a couple months in, probably in the like spring of 2011, is when Tumblr, because at this point Tumblr is still pretty new, I'd maybe been around for like a year, year and a half, and um, they were like, hey, you, you, um, you publish a lot of original content and you have people interacting with you, we're going to highlight you in our food section. And so there was maybe like 20, 25 other food bloggers that they also put in the food section. And so that's when my following just like grew by leaps and bounds because there would be like a couple thousand people adding me a week because then I was now in this feature section. And that's actually when I made the decision to do a self-hosted website because I had talked to one of my mom's friends who's a DIY blogger um, even still. And she was like, you need to do a self-hosted website and have like, have it be standalone. You can still use this, but you know, do this. So I registered the domain and Yak Attack was maybe owned or is a, a Chinese domain. I'm not sure why. So uh, <laughs> I was like, I'll just add vegan to the front of it. And then that's how I got the domain name vegan Yak Attack. But Yak is for Jackie not vomiting <laughs> or, or, or talking. I saw my boyfriend's grandmother actually the other day was like, oh, the yak is for like talkative. And I was like, I like where your mind's at, but also now I know that you think that I'm talkative. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> so when did you, was Tumblr when you knew when you started getting all of that exposure, did you know that that would be the time for you to go ahead and do this alone and go out and do your own thing? Or when did you know that it was okay to take the leap? So the Tumblr thing happened in spring of 2011. I started setting up my self-hosted website in the summer of 2011, and then I launched it officially in the fall of 2011, and that's also when I quit my full-time job. I don't know that I would have quit it that soon, but given the circumstances of yeah, my... Yeah, you hated it, though, so it was a little different. I hated it. It was yeah. the worst. But also because my parents were like, we're going out to Michigan in October to see your grandmother and we're going to be out there for a couple weeks. And I was like, well, obviously I want to see my grandmother before she passes. So that was more my, my deadline was like, you know, end of September was like, I think September 30th was my last day working full time in an office job. And then in October, I went to actually to New York first to visit my cousin who was from Michigan, who I hadn't seen in a while. And that ended up being really awesome because I was like newly vegan. And still, even at that point, New York had a lot of vegan options. Um, definitely not as many as they do now. But, um, you know, I got to be like, oh, Vinny's Pizzeria and like try all these things and then go to Michigan and see my grandmother and spend time with my family. Um, and then after that, it was like, all right, like now we're blogging full time my boyfriend, he is a merchandise coordinator, so uh, he tours with musicians and bands and sells their merch. And so I would work festivals with him as like a side gig. Like I had a lot of random side gigs that I would do because I was not making money off of the website at this point. Yeah. So I was doing that. The first couple years were really hard because I was super broke. So I was just like, I guess like, and I, I had this degree, but I was like, I don't like, I love my degree, but finding a job. I mean, I graduated in 2009 and it was right after the recession started. So it was a total crapshoot finding anything that was like maybe what you really wanted to do. So I was like, I'm just going to keep doing this. 
I just I kept blogging, kept blogging. I got like very little money from ad revenue, but the first couple of years I was super broke, and I was like, all right. But as long as I, if I make more money than the first year, and then I make more money the second year, like this is how I'm going to kind of gauge my growth. And then I also kept track of like statistics in terms of um, like followers and things like that, like numbers. And I still do each month. I I take a tally of you know how many I have on each platform and. All this just to gauge where the growth is at and um, and maybe, you know, what I'm doing wrong or right. It was really hard in the first couple of years to be to like convince my partner that like, yeah, no, me going to these dinners is like really good for networking. And he's like, just because you're getting free food does not mean you're getting paid. Like you can't just do that. And like, honestly, I, he definitely has had to eat his words in the last couple of years because all of the relationships that I made, you know, in the in the first few years have benefited me and them, you know, later on in terms of working out projects together or just like growing together as businesses. So um, even though that was very stressful, like driving up to LA, like maybe once or twice a week or something. And I was just like, uh, like I, I don't really have a lot of money. Like I, but this is like free dinner and I get to network and it was, it was hard to make those decisions, but because I was still at home, like it made it easier because if that if I was not there like if I did not live with my parents truthfully I wouldn't have been able to do what I have done so and and plus it's a little different in Southern California because it's so expensive to live there like that's why I don't live there anymore I live in Vegas now because um, cost of living is a lot more affordable and it still is close to LA so I can go back there for jobs or any events um, I've gone back a lot for events and family things and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I really love how you're talking about the the importance of relationships because I feel like you do know everybody. Like you know everybody. <laughs> I know space. a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> you do. I'm serious, yeah. and I think that that is a part that people don't really talk about a lot. And I I know you know when you're working online. I mean, it's so easy. I know from my own experience to get behind a computer and just do your own thing, and you don't see or talk to anybody. So. Those early sacrifices, it sounds like, of course, like you said, were worth it. You know, you needed to do that in order to build your brand long term. Yeah. Yeah. And even now still, I mean, going to conferences uh, when it's possible, because sometimes I'm like, I'm not going to pay for that. Like this, I know it's an investment and like it's possibly a business write off. But, you know, sometimes I'm like, I can't just front that like that, like a few hundred dollars for a conference ticket. So I feel like whatever works within your means, but definitely networking is going to be so huge because then when somebody, even if they're just talking to a friend, so many things happen via word of mouth. So I have people contacting me via email, like, oh, I know that you do this. Do you also do this? Like, yes, I do, mm. actually. Um, yeah, so I would say pretty much, like, in terms of uh, percentage of work and income, you know, uh, right now the blog has been a little bit slower in terms of uh, sponsored content, but usually it's about 40, 60 um, the blog being 40 and then like freelance photography and recipe development and those kind of things that stemmed from the blog that ends up making about like 60% of my income. Nice. Nice. So the photography, I wanted to talk about that for a little bit too. So I'm glad you brought that up because I love your work. Anytime I'm on social media or anywhere, I know your pictures when I see them. And I like, uh-huh. that's a good thing. That's a great thing. So you have like yeah. signature work opposed not you know because it's so easy to blend in and look like everyone else but you definitely have your own style so give us some basic tips for someone 
who is trying to take better pictures and they want to use their iPhone to do it. And sometimes people feel like they have to have this really expensive equipment to get started. But tell us, I guess, a little bit more about what we can do as far as just using our phones. Um, Honestly, with how phones are now, you really don't need anything more than that unless you do want to pursue getting paid to take photos, basically. Um, Like even I I just was... uh, modifying some older posts on my blog and I saw some old cell phone photos on there from like 2000 even 11 or 12 and I was like oh my god like these these look terrible these photos are so bad coming from these camera phones that I had because I think even then is when iPhone was coming out and uh, no, it was a little before then but either way so now I feel like a phone even if it's an iPhone and Android um, and sometimes even more so with Android the camera on the phone can be a, a bit better so that's a good start. Your phone is good. Make sure your light is good and don't stand in it. That's like one of the common mistakes I see if I happen to be around somebody when they're taking a photo of food is that even if there's a ton of light coming in from this window, they want a certain angle and because of like maybe where they're at, they just end up standing in their light. And if you do that, you're going to flatten your whole image or like how the food looks. So you want the, what the light does in your food photo is it creates contrast. It emphasizes the texture within the food. And then it also properly colors your food. So you get these bright colors, um, especially, I mean, with vegans, I feel like we have a little easier depending on your eating style, because there are so many either fruits or vegetables or just like more vibrant colors and fresh colors. So having light is important. Um, when you say stand in it, you mean like make they, sure you're they, to the side of it? Don't be directly Yeah, yeah. In. So, so for example, if um, you're sitting at a table, okay, because I'm thinking of something that happened this past weekend even. So I was at a table in the middle of the restaurant and the seats, like the seat that my friend was in, she, her back was facing this like wall of windows. So instead of you could just move a little bit to you know the left or the right either way whatever is like you're not bumping into people you're not being rude or anything but you know if you just scoot over a little bit move your dish over and you really with that with minimal effort can get your dish with light on it as Mm -hmm. opposed to you know trying to like shoot it but like and be there but be in the way of it because I've seen that happen like a lot of times or even somebody like moves into that space like they weren't sitting there but they move around and then they're standing in front of like the main source of light um, before taking a photo just because that might be like the best angle for them Mm -hmm. but even if that's the best angle it still is not going to look the best because now you've taken away all of those things that I listed (laughs) okay yeah that's a good point yeah once you start taking photos of things, you it'll become more natural to be like, oh, where is the main light source or where is like the best light source in this room? Um, so I feel like that's huge. And then otherwise, you know, just taking time while you're shooting it to make sure that your image is clear because it's also super important. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, I just need to take a photo really quick in this restaurant and I don't want to be that person but also it's my job. So if you look at it that way, it'll make you feel a little bit better about what you're doing. If you're like, hey, I'm doing this for my fill in the blank, like my podcast, for example, or, you know, whatever. You know, take your time, shoot a couple shots. You don't need to spend that much time, you know, figuring out and and don't overthink it. 
in terms of like food styling or uh, you know where it is just make sure you get a couple angles so that later when you're looking at it you're like I like this one the best and then also uh, I would say photo editing I use the app visco v-s-c-o mm-hmm. cam and they have some filters I don't really put a lot of filter on my photo I mean, there are certain things like people on Instagram may want to have a more cohesive branding and want everything to have a really blue wash on it, which makes the look very cohesive. But uh, for me, I like things to look how they actually look in life. So I might cool it down just a tad for, for the style, but not much more than that. So play around to what you want your style to be, but make sure that it doesn't come out looking like alien food to where it would be hard to decipher like what's actually in it or that it would take away from the ingredients that you're using in the food. Mm. Yeah, these are very simple tips that anybody can apply. So I like that. So let's get into vegan yak attack on the go. I know we were talking about meal planning and keeping things really simple. What was your inspiration for writing this? Is that the reason? Or did you get a lot of people wanting to make this easy and they would send you emails or send questions to you? How did you know that there was time for you to write this book? So truthfully, I went to my publisher, they were like, hey, this, I was like, just finished up my blog or my book tour for the first book. And they were like, so what do you want to write for your second one? I was just like, oh, God, because first of all, writing books is really hard. And putting together a cookbook is really hard. So I'll just say that. But I was like, you know, I really want to do a camping cookbook. So I tried to pitch that to them because vegan camping has gotten, I mean, in camping in general, I feel like is really growing a lot. Like people just wanting to be outside and kind of detached from technology, you know, for temporary uh, amounts of time. So I had people kind of asking me if I had any vegan camping recipes and I like camping. So I, I pitched this idea to them and they're like, mm, that's too niche, which at this point, I have feelings about. So uh, they were like, let's make it maybe more like on the go style. And so then I took that idea from them and thought, okay, so I can do some portable food because I don't, I don't want to make a book entirely on portable food. Like I want to do on the go and basically every facet and meaning of that expression, like literally portable. So there are um, chapters for that. And then, you know, your life is busy, let's try to make it a little bit easier in terms of the 30-minute meals or prep ahead where you take, you know, you put a, you put aside that time like we were talking about earlier and it'll save you so much more time during your week where that's something that you don't have to think about um, or like the bulk cooking or the quick breakfasts. So, so that's where I took that concept and then while I was writing it and fleshing out the recipes, I thought about my boyfriend's mom who just recently, she's like 94. 90% vegan, I would say. So I thought about the questions that she asks me, which I'm very aware that like, I'm like, wow, this is pretty much the best case scenario for you, <laughs> for her, uh, in terms of like who she's asking. So I, I was like, okay, so I thought about the questions she was asking me, like, oh, well, what is this ingredient? And how could I do this? Or how could I recreate this? And like, maybe do you have suggestions about blank. So when I wrote the intro, I made sure to cover like, here are some ingredients I like keeping in my pantry. And of course, you don't have to do everything that I say in there. But it it gives you an idea of what what you'll be able to produce, like just an infinite amount of possibilities with whatever you have in your pantry, 
maybe a couple things that are in your fridge, you know, just fresh ingredients. Really, I, I focused on like produce and uh, maybe non-dairy milk or something. And then I talk about stuff that you should keep in your kitchen just to make your life a little bit easier. And of course, like I said, like, you know, you do what you can. When I first started cooking, it's not like I went out and was like, I'm going to buy all the things and now I'm vegan and now I'm cooking all the time and now I'm doing all these things. Like, no, I just kind of worked into it. So I definitely feel like I need to emphasize that. But that's that's where I thought, like w- when I was writing the book, was okay. So what what would Linda be able to do, and then like what might her questions be? Uh, and that's the name of uh, my, my yeah, I figured mom. yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm like, what would she be able to do, and you know what might her questions be? But like, is it still within her realm of ability? And then I also thought back to when I was working full time, and and was like, what would I make? Or what would I think would even be like cooler to make because it still is the same concept in terms of maybe so- like with the green enchilada casserole, like it's still the same concept of I'm sauteing some stuff in a pan and then I blend up a sauce and then I just layer it with corn tortillas in this big casserole and now I can feed eight people. Mm-hmm. So that would have been, if I had found that earlier on, I've been like, hell yeah. Cause I was making lasagna, like I was doing all kinds of stuff, but that would have been an amazing thing to see that it's not that hard to make and still have it work within my lifestyle. Yeah. So tell us where we can get your new book, A Vegan Yak Attack on the go and also your other book. Tell us um, and also where we can follow you on social media. So just give us that whole spiel. So my website is veganyakattack.com and I'm on social media as the same on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, if you're into Pinterest like I am, um, and Twitter also, which I like talking to people on Twitter, so definitely shoot me a message. Um, And then the books, so Vegan Yak Attack on the go and Vegan Bowl Attack are both on Amazon. They can be found in Barnes & Noble. And right now I would say Vegan Yak Attack on the go will probably be in Whole Foods uh, and select Whole Foods pretty soon. That's I know, funny. I'm like, fingers crossed it like shows up because I know sometimes it takes a couple of weeks after the book comes out. But, you know, if you go into any Barnes & Noble, you can find the books and on pretty much in any bookstore. So, like, I know Powell's in Portland sells it and there's a lot of other bookstores that end up selling the book. Thank you so, so much for being on the show, sharing your experiences and inspiring the world. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Monique. I hope this episode was helpful. Come over to my Instagram or Facebook page at Brown Vegan and let me know your thoughts. Also, be sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes to make it easy for other people to find us. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.